The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, known as the iPhone of toothbrushes. Engineered by industrial designers, Quip is sleek and simple. Time Magazine named Quip one of their best inventions of the year. GQ declared it one of the best grooming products on the market, and Oprah put it on her prestigious O-List. Join millions of brushers who use Quip to make their mouths happy and healthy. Get your first refill refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. Welcome to the Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. This week's guest is Josh Flynn, who is an assistant GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Josh Josh does a ton. He does contract negotiations, salary cap management, um, salary arbitration, statistical research, all that stuff uh, you'd expect out of an assistant GM, but also has a big hand in leading their analytics department in Columbus and has always kind of been in that that space. I, I remember meeting Josh for the first time at Sloan several years ago. He was consistently one of the people from hockey that was always attending that conference. Um, eventually, you'd see him on stage as a speaker at the conference. And when we spoke, he was in the middle of putting on a great analytics conference in Columbus that I'm sure you saw on Twitter, um, him and Allison Lucan, I would say, and Zach Urbach, another uh, member of the Columbus Blue Jackets front office, just put on an incredible conference, you know, as good as I've seen it of these analytics conferences. And in the middle of it, um, Josh was willing to sit down and talk a little bit about the conference. But what I thought was most interesting and most interesting for you guys was he gave us a little bit of a glimpse into what the NHL front offices get in terms of analytics, what those dashboards look like, what data they use. Um, this is sometimes teams are really protective of this information, even like harmless stuff um, that, you know, just would kind of give us uh, an idea of what they're doing. And Josh was gracious enough to, sh- to share a lot of this. And it was it made for a, a great conversation. And we were also able to get into his background. He um, before he was with the Blue Jackets, he worked for Kurt Overhart, um, prominent player agent in Denver. Um, he's a, a lawyer by trade, uh, Josh, and um, just a a smart, interesting guy who was willing to share a lot of things about this side of the world in hockey. So let's jump in. The full 60 with Columbus Blue Jackets assistant GM, Josh Flynn. So, Josh, how are you feeling right now? This was... Uh... This was a day. Holy cow! I'm, I'm pretty tired. Are you gonna be, able, a, you're gonna be able to talk here for? Yeah, a yeah, yeah. We uh, we had a game last night. Didn't get home till late, and then uh, early wake up to do this. And it's been just a full day of presentations. But it's been interesting, and we 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 heard a lot, and we learned a lot, and yeah, um, lots of you know. It's it's the first time I've I've ran an event like this, so right. It's uh, there's you know some unexpected stuff, and um, yeah. It, it, it was a bit of a roller coaster the last few days, especially, but it, but I think it turned out well. Yeah, it was really it was great. I, I mean, it was. Um, I mean, we've you know, I think I think we probably met at Sloan ten years ago. Or something. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I think we've so. Been, we've been on the analytics uh, conference circuit for a while, but I thought I just I thought the um, presentations today were were good. I mean, this was like the A listers too, right? Yeah, like these were the people you'd want to hear from. 
Um, but like, I, I, I'm curious, like what was, what was the um, idea behind it? Like what, what were you like, you know, I want to in the middle of the season put together this gigantic conference. So, um, we, we talked about it this summer. Um, Allison and I had, had tossed this idea around for a while. And then this summer we were coming up with ideas for the season, me and Zach. And Zach came up with the idea of the data contest. He had been invited to something like that in the past before he worked for us. Yeah. And uh, we said, okay, um, that's a great idea to – one of the things that, that, that the public doesn't have is access to – microstat tracking um like sport logic does or right. like the nhl's trying to do um and we said what what if we could we come up with so many good ideas using it what if we could get some good ideas from the public because the public comes up with unique ideas too and great ideas right and how and then we said okay we can probably get sport logic on board how can we get the best people into columbus um, the brightest ideas. What, mm-hmm. What's the incentive for them to come and talk to us? So I reached out to some other teams and said, "Would you be interested in participating in this and get in a room and hear from some of the brightest people?" And they all said yes. Right. And uh, that was kind of what launched it. And then we said, "Well, if we're bringing all these people, and why don't we build a whole conference around it?" And I mean, some of it was a, a funding issue. I mean, we, to to fund the data contest and, right. and that whole event, we needed to make something bigger. So we kind of put the whole thing together. And we thought, you know what, this would be a great way to bring everybody to Columbus. And we feel like we've always been a progressive organization. Mm-hmm. Columbus, people don't know this, but is one of the most progressive cities in the country, um, growing city and, yeah. and, and, and a, you know, a leader in all the, the smart new things they are going to, you know, one of the Hyperloop finalists and all that stuff. Yeah. So we thought it was, it, it's just a great thing for our city, for the team. And, um, it just kind of went from there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's 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 been great. And so, uh, what I actually liked about today is I didn't think I didn't, maybe because I have a short attention span. I liked like it kept moving. Like yeah, if if there wasn't a, if the topic wasn't something you were dying to, to hear about, there was something coming in five minutes that was going to be super interesting. And that wasn't an important thing for us. Um, we really spend a lot of time uh structuring the event that way um not just on content but on on flow we wanted panels in there i mean uh just we wanted lightning talks then we wanted presentations and just the back and forth between all of that i think it just keeps the pace changing and we and we also said one of the themes about the data contest is we encouraged people to present ideas that would be actionable to nhl teams know your audience right don't present all math you uh, should be obviously strongly backed by math but we want you to come out there and act like you're talking to a general manager or coach and try and sell them and we built the conference around the theme of let's get both people with a strong math technical background and more lay people and hockey people in the same room and make sure that all the presentations are geared towards an audience that can appreciate all of that so um, I think with that in mind, we wanted to make sure we were going to have presentations that weren't going to be like, okay, you're going to math class for 30 minutes. They were all 15 minutes on the long end or five minutes on the short end and then the 40 minute panels. And it was all kind of discussion and get to the point and share your idea, a little bit of backing for why your idea makes sense mm-hmm. and sell your idea. Yeah. So, and, and what's good about it? Like I, I remember analytics talks in like half the panel like wouldn't even be an analytics person or you know what I mean or they like yeah, or yeah. like 20 minutes in and they're talking about just random hockey stuff and trades and stuff and and I just thought today was was on point was there a 
was there, I don't want to single out presentations, but what were some of the concepts that, that really caught your attention or you were like, okay, I, I think this is kind of sparked ideas. Well, I, I have to say that I, I and I'm not just because we work with them, but I, but I loved both of the uh, sport logic talks. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because it looks like we're getting a tool added to the, the system that's going to be pretty good. That was David Yu's presentation yeah. on passing. Can you just describe for people who you know, are just listening? Or yeah, he, he showed it. they're trying to build, I guess, the long and short of it would be an expected threat model to try and show what passes are made and, and the value that they create. And they basically demoed a system that they've built to mm-hmm. show how that's going to work. And I, I can't really get into more of it without like really boring you with details or <laughs> right, right. Or, or with showing it to you yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. But like the presentation was good. Their other one was on was on goaltending. Yeah, I liked that. That I thought that was really good. And I think this is somewhere where uh, a lot of people haven't spent enough time. I mean, goaltending is such a mystery to a lot of people. I mean, there, there's so many scouts and executives who say, well, I, they, they will get into a discussion and they'll preface their statement by saying, well, I'm not a goalie guy, but because right. there's this separate goaltender expertise. Right. And I think the more we can understand about goaltending, the more it tells you not just about how to value goaltenders, but how to value other things, like the true quality of a shot based on what the goaltender is doing, how he's positioned, where the shot is on him. And that will help you better understand like what just happened in the game as opposed to just the shot location or right. even what happened right before the shot location. So I thought that was a really good presentation. Yeah. And um, yeah, there there was a there was a lot of interesting stuff. I'm I, I'm still sorting through it all in right. my head. It's been it's been a long day. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michael McCurdy was 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 good. I mean, we gave him a little leash on his on his time uh, limit. <laughs> Did he go over? He he went over, but, but you know, when you the, make the effort, he made just to get. Yeah, here I mean, he storms he, and yeah had probably a thirty six hour journey to get here. Yeah. So I mean, we kind of we kind of felt we had to, and the crowd was eating it up, and yeah. so he he was you know th- there were so many engaging speakers that was that was a great thing about it. Like Alex Novet, who's in the data competition tomorrow, he he had a great speech in the morning, um, and just. Threw little jokes in there, right. and um, you know, got, just suck the crowd in. Yeah. So you can like analytics can be boring, but um, you know, if if you really like are digging into it, there's a lot of like there's a lot of what goes into analytics that's not that interesting. The end results usually are right. But um, yeah, I, I I think we we kind of melded a lot of that together. So was the, so I'm curious about the 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 data competition just. Was this just an attempt? Hey, let's let's see if we can spark some like let's benefit from these people's ideas. Like, was it? I mean, I mean, sort of. I mean, like, look, without being too like you know self serving, I guess. I mean, you, it's it's about the community, we, but like you're also a, like we, bringing some smart people in. Yeah, I think somebody mentioned this today. I can't remember who it was through like the hundred, yeah, dozens of people that got up there. But so, somebody mentioned about like how teams will look at ideas and then pass them on like read an article and pass it on i mean we do that i mean um there's been so much good work in in the public that we've taken and said hey, you know this is a good idea let's adapt it or there's been a couple that we've just said hey uh torts read this article this right. is very interesting you might like this and and then go from there we we've always relied on outside work mm-hmm. but the outside doesn't have access to the resources we have right so it's 
you always need fresh ideas. You're not like no, like a couple people in one organize, organization aren't going to come up with all of the best ideas. Right. You need ideas coming from all over the place. So how do we get those ideas when the people that have it are very cloak and dagger about it? We sure. think we know a little more than, than another team knows about something, but I'm yeah. sure they know a little more about something that we know. So it's going to help seven teams for sure. There's there's a bit of a self-serving aspect in that, yeah, we're, we're doing this to help us get ideas and to meet people who we might want to hire one day. Right. right. Um, but we're giving that opportunity to several other teams that have yeah. joined in on this. And, and we're giving these people an opportunity to, ma- to make a name for themselves and, and put their work in front of an audience that can scrutinize them and challenge them and really help them flush out their ideas because they all sent in submissions. We got, I think 45 submissions in total. Wow. We narrowed it down to seven and that was uh, new year's day. And we told them, okay, you're the seven that get to come and present. Now go back, here's some feedback right? and, and hone it and, and make it ready for the group you're going to stand in front of. Cause they're going to be on, on the hot seat. We're going to have coaches there. Uh, from our staff, hmm. um, there's going to be assistant GMs there from multiple teams and analytics guys from multiple teams. So you're going to be presenting to an expert audience of, of analytics experts and hockey experts. And I think it's going to be a great experience for the contestants just to be able to not only show what they can do, but get feedback from that group. Because really, like the way you improve at anything is practice and feedback. Right. So... I think it's going to be a good thing for everybody that's involved. Um, that's it's interesting because it's one thing to present like today you're presenting to your peers in a lot of cases like mm-hmm. you can you can use lingo or you can you can go into the weeds a bit and mm-hmm. people know what you're talking about. If you're you know if you're if you're you can't start talking you know whatever x y axis you know to Brad Larson who may just want to be like how's this going to help the the power play right like, and, and and we've warned them that right like, so I, that, I, now I, I'm I'm curious to see how that changes the presentation yeah right? I mean they all sent a technical document in with their with their presentation mm-hmm. and we said look we know there's a lot of technical background work that's going to go into proving that this is accurate right. and sport logic's on the panel too so we asked them to and they provided the data. So we asked them to provide a technical document and SportLogic vetted the technical document. Mm-hmm. So you got to be on your game with what went into your analysis. But what we want you to present is how is this actionable? Here's my idea. And how should you as a team use it to make what you do better? Hmm. And then let the team come back at you and say, here are some questions. Here are some holes. Right. And at least that's how I envision it's going to go tomorrow. Yeah. Like we'll see how it actually does. But um, yeah. That's great. I love that. Now I'm. Uh, I'm gonna get my to stick around. What? Uh, <laughs> I was. I was gonna cut out early. Um, are, can you say which teams are involved? In yeah, judging? absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just looking at the stack of jerseys behind you. That oh. they all donated. Uh, <laughs> Colorado, New Jersey, Vegas, uh, St. Louis, the Rangers, and uh, the one that didn't donate a jersey is Seattle. We let them off the hook on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we the joke around here the last few days was well if they announce the Kraken by Friday they better bring a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That, you know that was that was one of the fun things about having um, Alex Mandricki on as one of the panelists yeah. today was, was her perspective is so different because it's from scratch, right? Like she's, it, it, it was really neat to hear some of their game plan. And yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that, so that's great. So, you know, you know, tomorrow with the president, you, you've, you've read all the, the pitches and all that. So you I, have a, I have not read the revised ones. Okay. I read the submissions. 
Um, we had a panel of probably eight people that narrowed it down to the six. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of them, when they sent in, they were raw, they were good ideas. We liked the work that went into them and, uh, the fact that they were clear ideas and innovative ideas. And now we're really excited to see what they've done with the last six weeks to polish them up and show more findings because they, they didn't have much time to get these done. Right. Um, most of them didn't start work until either late November, early December, and they were due on Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, and then we had, a, we had a week to pick the, the winners. So that's how I spent my uh, trip to Miami at, right after Christmas was sitting on the balcony reading these uh, documents. <laughs> right. But, um, so they've had more time since we picked them yeah. to work on it than they did before they submitted it. So I'm really excited to see how it's evolved because mm. you know I, I would think that after you come up with a, a really a, a really good idea that sold a panel of of NHL executives and Sport Logic and mm-hmm. people like that on hey we we love this idea we want to hear more about it. I mean to go to work for six weeks on it after that I, I can only imagine what they've come up with. That's great. So I'm I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit because you've been you've been around the kind of the hockey analytics movement from the outset mm-hmm. and. And so when you see you see kind of all these ideas that you're going to see tomorrow and, and some that we saw today, and we, we saw some of the early, earliest concepts, like where have you seen the most growth in, in this kind of from the originators to, to now? Well, it's been kind of waves of growth mm-hmm. because I think um, from around 2008 until that like summer of analytics, the old summer of analytics, 2014 or 2015, there was tons of like, awesome public work and all these ideas getting thrown out and you and you saw the public vetting them and you and you mm-hmm. and you saw some very strong conclusions that ended up being wrong and then new conclusions built on top of it and now you don't see as much and it's also coincided with the fact not only did those people go in house but also now we have microstats mm-hmm. we have tracking data and there are people in the public doing some work off of manu- stuff they've tracked manually. But um, now we're in a different world where we're digging deeper and we, we have spore logic. We're going to get player and puck tracking. And we are a level deeper into insights than they were then. So it's kind of been this, this growth on kind of it being generally accepted in the public. Right. And a lot of great ideas coming into the public. And then those people going in-house and i think it's affected the game in house and we're mm-hmm. learning more i mean we it, it's really hard for me to imagine what things were like before we had access to the data we know so much more about what's going on with our team from from this, the sports logic yeah. sport logic yeah, yeah. than we then we we used to i mean like a really simple example would be um, you know if you look at our team's Corsi right now, and this has been pointed out in some public articles, not by analytics people, but more like right. media people, yeah. that oh, uh, watch on Columbus because their uh, Corsi is like 48.9 or whatever it is right now. And are they running on a heater right now? Like, is, is the goalie really hot? And is, right. are they shooting hot? And, and, and maybe that all is the case. I mean, but... What we do know also is that while our Corsi is lower, 
we have data on slot shots and inner slot shots and passes to the slot where we're excelling at keeping that stuff down and still generating a reasonable amount and our differential is high and our differential on, on SportLogic's XG model and our XG model is very good. Mm-hmm. It's top 10 in the league. Like our record is top 10 in the league. That it makes you question what you would have looked at three years ago before you had access to SportLogic where you right. would have said, ooh, the underlying metrics aren't so good. Now sure. there's underlying metrics that say maybe you are good. Right. And I just jinxed my team right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know who to blame. But it did seem like, yeah, back in, the, back in the day, six years ago or whatever it was, you could sit there and go, oh, here's the PDO champ and the, yeah. you know, in the whatever it was, the, the Corsi. And so you're saying the stuff you guys have in-house maybe is, is saying a diff- telling a different story. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not saying that it's right. Like, sure. Like, again, like we're still learning day by day, year by year, how to make sense of this stuff. Yeah. But it's another perspective. And it says that like, yeah, we've looked at some metrics and a lot of people looked at some metrics like, like in this example Mm -hmm. that maybe say that, that we're running hot right now. And, and, and and maybe we are, I don't know, but there's also, we have some other stats that say, well, maybe it's not as bad as some underlying stats would say. So there's just more of a conflicting picture now that you have more information. Right. So, um, so, so this was one of the questions I was going to get to in my panel. We just we didn't get around to it. But like, how much of your typical day when you're running an analytics staff or you're working in that world, like, what does a typical day look like for you? Like, is it are you you know waking up and looking at the game of four stats, or is it is it more bigger picture? Or how, yeah, like, I mean, it's it's both. It, it and it depends on the day. There's no, yeah. There's no day by day. I mean, one of the day by day things is that. Um, Zach's preparing Zach Urbach, who we hired this summer, yeah, uh, full time. He'd been here before, but he's preparing pregame analysis for our, our management and coaches uh, daily. I'm pre- preparing uh, postgame analysis. Okay, um, looking at some special team stats, some stuff that Torts likes, and then the rest of it is all like that would be like a day to day thing that's updated. The rest of it is all, you know. Um, bigger picture stuff stuff on you know zach spent a lot of time on some system stuff i do we both do a lot of stuff on you know the scouting side he does a lot on the amateur side Mm -hmm. um you know we we both do a lot on you know evaluating guys we might want to trade for evaluating guys on our team that we might have value in stuff like that but um you know i i wear a few different hats here (laughs) right so it's so it's hard to say what's what's a, a typical day but um, you know, if I'm on the road, obviously I'm spending less time on this. And yeah. like, I'm, I'm Zach lives in Toronto, and I'm just we're communicating every day, and uh, he knows what he's got to do, and I kind of let him do what he's got to do. Um, but you this, know, sometimes does the, uh, let me just, not to interrupt. Yeah, does yeah, the Sport Logic yeah. stuff is it just for your own team, or do you ha- is it completely the, no, the whole, whole league? league. Okay, whole okay. League. Yeah, there's actually we've that's been the biggest thing about Sport Logic is there were other companies that had this same idea probably in 2010 2011 2012 mm-hmm. we heard pitches from all of them and i was talking with somebody about one of those companies yesterday and i was like man like they're just ahead of their time i mean right and and, and the reason they were ahead of their time was it was the cost of of getting the initial adopter on it you were only getting your team right and and sport logic i think um their costs have gone down just because now they're they're replicating everything for everybody because their initial we weren't one of them but their initial adopters were getting the whole league um but they had to 
still pay for them to track them all and, and, right. and get it for them. So now every, I, I don't know how many customers they have, but I think it's almost the whole league. It's got to be close. Like yeah. I, every team seems to use them. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with, with that, like now all of a sudden they can provide the whole league and it's, it's a no extra cost to them. And, and there was a different pricing model for playoffs or something like that before they had more teams. And I, I mean, yeah, but with, without the whole league, it would be very difficult to find anywhere near as much value in it. Right. Because if you just tell me, you know, Columbus allows 4.9, and I'm making this number up, but yeah. Columbus allows, allows 4.9 odd man rushes a game. I'm like, okay, and? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, like, like, like I, I want to know, you know, know Tampa, what the yeah, average is, what right. the high is, what the low is, where do, where do I rank at 4.9? Mm-hmm. And then as I'm watching the results from – from a game or a series of games to know like is this improving or getting worse and right. where is that relative to the league so um yeah That's like, like context means a whole lot in analytics yeah so without it, it we, you wouldn't be anywhere near the same place so just to completely nerd out like what is it just what does it look like are you getting a dashboard that you're logging on to every day or is it like so so do you um do you remember what like War on Ice looked like, or any of those natural, not yeah. natural statistics, but um, any of those other websites, or yeah. even NHL.com stats? Right. Or, right. They basically have their own. Okay. And it's uh, you, and they they do send me some custom reports because there's things that they don't track in there mm-hmm. that I've want I've wanted or the coaches have wanted, and we've defined for them, and then they send it out custom. Um, but they are basically giving you access to their website, mm-hmm. which is um, it's like one of those websites with a whole statistic database and all these categories, and you can rank them and change the time frames and right. do all that stuff. And then they also have, you know, they've got video tagged into it. They've got, you know, a game report showing kind of what I was just saying. Do you want to know how many odd man rushes you allowed in this game? And it'll show it and it'll show you what that's like compared to your norm and compared to the league norm. And, and that goes on for about 200 stats that they'll give you right. for every game. And it's taken a while to kind of, you know, narrow down to the favorites for lack of a better word, yeah. because like you don't want to share 200 stats with, with the coaches right, right. And, and, and you can't even make sense of 200 stats yourself. I mean, it's right. just, you, you can't take that much away from every game. And, and like, I mean, you could, but I mean, for me, I can't. Yeah. So, what tend to be the stats that, that coaches are most interested in? Uh, they like a lot of the special team stats. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, um, possession stats, slot shots. Yeah. Um, odd man rushes. Although the, we have a lot of debate in here on how we should define it. Um, just that's one of those things. I mean, Chris Boucher stood up today and said, "You want to start." Start an argument. Tell tell them define a scoring chance. I was just gonna say, yeah, like, is scoring is chances. Th- like I hear teams like, no, we've got our own. Our, and I've heard individual coaches say, like, yeah. I've got my own definition, and I'm like, that seems problematic. Yeah, if I, you're comparing the league, you know. Here's the thing about that. I think that everybody's definition over a long enough period of time kind of end up in the same place. Yeah. Like, and, and I think analytics should be used that way in general. I've always said that at least in the in the state we're in now we're not trying to hit 
the bullseye on a dartboard on the other side of the room. We're trying to steer a battleship to shore. Right, right. So I think I stole that from somebody, but <laughs> but I but it resonates with me. I mean, we're trying to make small improvements and and, and get a general idea. So if you define something like let's say, um, you define odd man rushes at whatever you define it, and you're consistently in the top five in the league or the bottom five in the mm-hmm. league, like whether you're fourth or seventh doesn't really matter right i mean you're going to know something about your team just knowing you're between fourth and seventh right and and one that you defined as not being an odd man rush uh, will get washed out by one that you defined as being an odd man rush yeah it all kind of works itself out and same thing with scoring chances and same thing with a lot of these kind of more gray area up for debate kind of definitions that's interesting i thought he wasn't able to go into detail for obvious reasons but bill zito uh your colleague with the blue jackets Mm -hmm. saying you know there was a metric that we pointed out to the coaching staff and said look this is we need to change something here Mm -hmm. and they're receptive to it like I don't know yeah. if that happens ten years ago. Mm, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard for me to say. I mean, it, it it's hard for me to say we would have been able to make the recommendation that we made with such certain. I know what he's talking about, and like that's a true story. He wasn't just making no, no, stuff that's up a true on, story. On that's a true story. <laughs> there's just been a couple stories like that. I mean, like coaches want to win, and right. and if you can, and I think a lot of the times when you're trying to make change anywhere like you you can start with numbers but the numbers help you tell a story Mm -hmm. i mean even if it's just for your own personal benefit of trying to understand the game better you would the numbers will point something out to you and then you'll watch for it and see if it's true right and then and then if it turns out to be true then then okay yeah actionable And, and that's one of the things that's that's we talk about a lot when we got sport logic we didn't just we got it the summer of 2017 and we didn't start just making decisions based on it it's not like we <laughs> right, got this right. mountain of data and we started figuring some stuff out out in it pretty quick but like we don't we didn't just start making decisions based on it mm-hmm. it just started becoming more and more worked into the process and the more comfortable you become with it then the more you're like okay now when i'm evaluating a player it becomes part of my criteria list that i'm going to use to evaluate a player or a situation or whatever one of the things I'm, especially this time of year, most curious about is how do you extrapolate a player from, like, if, if a team's selling, the team's probably not good. Mm-hmm. And so now you're taking a player and, and out of the context of a you know, bad team, putting them into your team, it's, it, it, it changes the environment, right, on some level. And yeah, so you, for there's sure. some projection there. So when you're sitting there saying, okay, I do, like, there, there may be five players we're interested in, I have to go to Sport Logic and, and look it up. Those numbers are going to be skewed. There's some numbers in there that will translate straight up, and I like they've built some custom stats that I don't know if I'm allowed to like. You tell. can't tell me the ones. That yeah, like I don't. Translate. I don't. Okay. I'd have to go back and read my my <laughs> confidentiality agreement I signed with. But them. there's some stats that, that say like the, you you would translate them. They're they're like counting stats. You would say like these these will be good somewhere else. But I mean it's it's no different than when you watch a player playing on a bad team mm-hmm. like you watch him and you look for the signs when you evaluate a player that says you know what this player will be good no matter where I, where I put him or this guy will be better where I when if I put him on a better team right it's it's the same it's the same thing it's just a different tool you're still trying to project one player going from one situation to the other and, and it's there's nothing that's perfect right so right 
I, you know, that, that like there was, there's always the concern about the recency bias or whatever, or, you know, sending a scout up to wherever to check out a player and they, they look good. Like that's where the ideal is you have, you can remove all that and just look at a, you know, some sort of dashboard and say, okay, this guy, this guy's going to fit. And I don't know if, if we're, I don't, th- I don't know that we'll ever get there. I mean, right. Maybe, but yeah. It's a, it's. I mean, it's a good, so you know the the big next step, and there was a lot of talk today about the tracking data to to come. And I I've been interested in teams kind of ramping up, like we, a lot of hires being made, and just the date. You know, people trying to get data scientists, and and but it was also interesting for me to hear like um, uh, Rich with the Rangers saying, we have five years of NBA data, and we're still figuring out what to. You know, it's so you you wonder if it's even how if it's it's. Uh, a waste of resources to try to ramp up and build a staff for something you don't even know what it's going to look like. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm I don't know that, to see it that is. approach. Yeah. I don't know that I would call it a waste because I would say that like, it's the same thing I just said about sport logic that like there's 200, like I get 200 stats or something like that on yeah. every game and I can't make sense of them all, but I've made sense of a handful of them and they've been helpful. Right. So until you, until you make sense, like, like to take that example, there's a, there's a ton of stuff they haven't made sense of, but in the meantime, the gains they've made on the stuff that they have made right. sense of are, are paying the bills, for lack of a better word. Right, right. Yeah, the hope is you're one of the teams that, you, like, it's going to be a sprint to see who can interpret it and, and get an advantage. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, so you, I, I'm always interested in kind of backgrounds. You're not like a what's your like you're not like a data scientist. No, by I'm, I'm a trade. lawyer. Your lawyer, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. How did you end up in Columbus and in, in um, this world? Well, this is this is the world I've wanted to be in, be in since like I was in high school. Yeah, I I I would tell people in high school, yeah, I, I want to help run an NHL team one day, and in Toronto, everybody'd say, yeah, well, so does everybody. Else. Yeah, right, right. Sure. But I I made a point of saying like, no, I, I'm going to do it, and mm-hmm. and I went to law school, and I went and worked in the agent business for a couple of years. And just got to meet the right people, and, and I had some luck. I mean, I was in the right place at the right time for this business. I mean, right. Um, when I got this job in two thousand, not this job, but my job with Columbus in two thousand eight, um, it was you know three years out of the lockout. Teams were still just wrapping their head around the cap, and and mm-hmm. and hadn't been like fully staffed for having a like a full-time cap guy on on, on yeah. staff and all of a sudden all these lawyers started getting hired into that job and Columbus was a little little different because uh C-Mac Chris McFarland was had my job before and then he got uh when Scott Housen took over he got promoted to assistant GM mm-hmm. and he was taking over the farm team and they needed somebody to do the cap stuff and he was a great teacher for me but like uh, Ryan Martin, the assistant GM currently in Detroit, had come out of Kurt Overhart's office where mm-hmm. where I worked, and had, having gone to law school in Denver, and then I worked with Kurt. And he said, "Look, Ryan Martin just got this job uh, as director of hockey operations with the with the Red Wings. He's their cap guy. Like, you can do that too." And I said, "Yeah, that's what I want to do." And I got to meet him. I got to meet people like Jason Botterill, who was just starting at the same time. Yeah, and kind of like came in with that group and then Ryan Miller came out of that office too. I was going to say the Kurt Overhart. Yeah. I didn't know the Kurt Overhart uh, family tree was, uh, it, it stopped after, after Ryan Miller. But like, <laughs> like I, like I said, I think it was, it was just, it was that time. It, and that was not the only boutique agency sending people. I mean, right. Kyle Dubas came out of one mm-hmm. and there was a bunch of, a bunch of guys in that time that 
you know, made their way into an NHL front office. I mean, Chris O'Hearn, mm-hmm. um, they, they all made their way into an NHL front office around that time just because that was the need. And then in my case, it was kind of like we're a small operation and you can be the guy who who figures out analytics. And I had had an interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started developing my draft pick value chart before I got this job that I've talked a little about before, but... Um, and that now every team has a draft pick value chart and, and I, it was kind of like Scott Housen and Chris McFarland were like, yeah, well, this is going to be part of your job portfolio is you're going to be the analytics guy. Right. So, and, and I, I loved it. It was something to fill my days with. And, and we were just like barely scratching the surface of what we're talking about now. I mean, right. that was when Tyler Dello started writing mm-hmm. it was 2008. And when, when they started tracking shot attempts was, I think the year before that. So we were just. We yeah, were just, just really the, yeah, at the dawn the of it. Yeah, yeah we, we had just got pucks, and we were getting something that's similar to shot quality off of there now and video and all that stuff. And I worked on, like, some tracking projects with Brian Stewart, who was our video scout at the time. And, and that was it at its infancy. And just by being the person here who it fell under, right. I kind of just learned more and more. And I, and I, and I still, you know we're going to have to keep building out. I hired Zach for a reason. Like yeah. we, we need more people with the technical analytical experience too. And the, and the computer experience and the know-how to build databases and engineer and then build a front end thing that we can use so mm-hmm. it can be accessible on the web. And this is going to take years, but um, that's where it's going and it's beyond my capability, but at least, you know, I, I've kind of become like, the guy in the management group who's integrating all of this stuff into what we do. Do you think teams need that guy or are people now well-versed? Like I, I, I think it depends. Yeah, I like, think so too. Yeah. I think, I think in general, it's a good thing because you, you at least need somebody at some level. What I found is it's not always, there's, there's a, you at least need somebody to, be the go between an analytics department for lack of a better word mm-hmm. and the management group because there's going to be some people with with the skill sets you need to do the you know the technical work that need somebody connecting the hockey to it and sure. and and translating it up but i also think there's there's a lot of special people who can do it all and right. i don't want to say that that's impossible and i i think there's some GMs or there and, and there may be more of them in the future who don't need that go-between kind of person to translate it to them because they understand it well right. enough. Yeah, they were raised in that world. Like yeah, we're, we're getting to that point where those GMs are starting to get jobs or whatever. They, that, yeah. this is all in that second nature to them. Yeah, and and I mean like like I'm fortunate that I've worked with two GMs who have both been very receptive to this mm-hmm. and, and Yar- Yarma was awesome like he, he loves this stuff yeah and he values it and he's not gonna get into the weeds on a lot of stuff but he he knows that there's a lot of people in the weeds and, and getting information to him that's useful 
and um, and that's a great environment to work in. So I think it like to answer your original question, it yeah. completely depends on the organization and how how it's set up. Is there a divide between like the analytics people that are like, oh, if you can't code, uh, you know, or whatever it is, I don't want to hear from you, or you, you know, like I, I don't know. What's the? Is there? Uh, I don't. I didn't sense you that today. I don't. You know, I don't know if I'm. You know, you didn't sense it today. I didn't no, sense no, it. No, I did didn't you? either. Yeah, no. I, I felt like it's people are like, if you're into it, like. Everyone's doing different things. And it's yeah, cool, right? Yeah, and I and I, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been like you know Twitter fights and stuff that I've read about in the past. <laughs> Maybe that's what and, I. Mean. And I don't I don't know what somebody really thinks about somebody sure, else or sure. like you know who knows. But I, I I don't I don't think there's that divide. I think people if if you're part of a divide like that, you're making a mistake. Sure. No matter what side you're yeah, on of it, other side, yeah. you're either disregarding somebody who can really help you. Or you're selling people who sh- you should be, you're selling people short who you should be trying to pitch up to and yeah. and, and try and speak their language and and, I, and Allison Lucan gave a presentation today that was it was mainly about you know writing and, mm-hmm. and you know writing articles for people but a lot of the lessons were very translatable to you know trying to work with with hockey executives or coaches mm-hmm. and stuff like that you're your your messaging and your audience matters like you you have it's it's a talent mm-hmm. and it's something that that i still gets me sometimes you know sometimes i i get a little too in the weeds and yeah. i shouldn't right but and, and then i i know it now when with stuff coming to me if something's a little too in the weeds and it bothers me a little bit right um not from that doesn't usually happen from in, inside our organization but more stuff that gets sent in or you know, an article that you get reference to that's just a little too much work to get through when you're trying to do five other things right. in the morning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I think that's like, I don't know. I, I've lost my train of yeah. thought on that one. <laughs> hey, if you're anything like me, you have a million kids and a dog and a thousand things going on and you probably don't like crowds. Um, maybe you're a little bit of an introvert. Uh, the idea of going to a restaurant that has, uh, I'm just basically describing me. I'm sorry. None of you are probably like this, but if you like things delivered to your house, um, and done, and not just like pizza or kind of traditional food delivery, I would strongly encourage you to check out DoorDash. DoorDash brings all of America's flavors to your door and ordering is super easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 300,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities. Like, dude, do the math. That's a ton of options at DoorDash. So you may even find a new favorite place, too. So right now, listeners to the Full 60 can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code FULL60, numerical 60. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code FULL60. Don't forget, that's code FULL60 for $5 off your first order with DoorDash, and you don't have to go anywhere, which is the ideal situation. You, I wanted to circle back. You mentioned the draft pick value chart. Yeah. Which... We're in your office. Can you show it to me? Can't we break this thing out and we can go over it? My computer's it still? over there. Oh, right. so I don't actually have a paper one. Oh, I, I just imagine it's on the on the wall somewhere in poster no, board form. People, you can... people come in here. We can't. <laughs> and, and and I I don't think I would show you what the actual no, chart I, looks I'm like. Teasing. 
but but everybody has one it's it, you can type it's, in type in nfl draft pick value chart yeah because like that was the idea was was i built it off the nfl one which is widely public and it's basically their barter system is this is what a pick's worth and yeah. everybody goes by it mine was more along the lines of what's the intrinsic value of a of a pick and let's value the picks based on that so not what has history dictated a six the sixth overall pick has been traded for right before. And i'm gonna make stuff up but like i'm not saying yeah the sixth overall pick the nfl chart would say the sixth overall pick has been traded for the ninth and the 15th and so therefore the point value of the ninth and 15th has to equal six right so mine's more like no the sixth pick has produced this level of player this many times and i put a point value on it based on that so really what i want to know is if you're moving back from not from six to nine how much more do you have to get that you're actually improving your odds right. of getting good players right as opposed to what's fair in the trade market that's interesting because that's that's a you're at, those are two different questions essentially yeah. like what is history said or whatever yeah and I have a, a, a less sophisticated chart for what history says which is really just a list of trades and it's like numbers and it's like this right. is what it's gone for before so that we have an idea if we were ever going to make that kind of trade what we should ask for right but what we ask for is just we're going to ask that based on knowing what the market is but we're going to actually do it or not do it if it makes sense on the other chart right. Really, the like the history and and I I feel this way sometimes with comps with contracts shouldn't matter as like if if you've just, if you've done the math and you go actually this this is so much value it doesn't matter or, or you see the trade deadline what's a first round pick and a prospect it's like wait maybe that's for a guy for two months that's such an overpayment mm-hmm. even though history suggests that should be the asking price like I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm like fascinated by the at some point I think we're gonna look back and say boy there's some a, a lot of assumptions made that we're just based on that's the way it's always been done right yeah for sure and and i mean that's just the market at work i would say like the trade deadline example i mean only one team ends up winning the cup and there's like 20 trades done on trade deadline every year so there's a lot of rental players that you rented not to win the cup but yeah that's that's not always to say it's it's not worth it or anything like that i mean that's it's a whole separate discussion but has has water found its level with the the NHL tr- draft value? Like, is there basically a consensus now if you go team to team? I don't know because I've never asked. Like, I've never asked yeah. another team. Hey, what does your chart look like compared to mine? But I know that everybody has one now, or mm-hmm. I think everybody has one. I know a lot of teams have one. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd have like that's not something you want to be deciding on the draft floor. And we we had it. I didn't know of anybody else that had it for a few years. And then we started finding out teams that had it. And that's when I started having conversations like this. Cause normally I would never bring up something like this, but right. like in like 2014, I was like, Oh, we, somebody like, I can't remember what draft it was, but somebody left theirs on a bus or something. Come on. Yeah. I can't well, remember what team it was. They left it. They left it on a bus and like somebody took a picture of it and put it on Twitter. And then I like people found out that there were other people like lots of teams had it, yeah. and I actually knew that like some people who worked here had like they had copies of mine and they took it to their new team and yeah, like this was a say I'm figuring there would be enough cross pollination at this point yeah and then I think Michael Shuckers made one and then that a lot of people made their own variations on that I think Tolsky made one mm-hmm. so like I 
the idea is not novel anymore, so right. that's why I talk about it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So has how often does that come into play? Like, is it on the draft floor and, and it's like, okay, yeah. we someone's on the phone. Let's yeah. run it through this. Yeah, for sure. Um, were you around when there was every single pick was offered? Can we talk about that? Yeah, I was around for, for are you talking about the, the story that came out about the 2012 draft? Yeah. Was that pre-draft? Um I don't really want to talk about it any more than it has been talked about, but I was. What's in the uh, public domain on that story? I forget. I'll tell you what. If you go and like crack out the actual story, I will. Who wrote it? Has it been written? I just I didn't. I know it more. I just know from there was. I know the story came out that said that a team offered us all of their picks for a, for one of the top picks in the draft. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean. Any trade offer, we would, you know, consult the chart. And, right. and the chart doesn't always win, but, you know, like sometimes there's reasons to diverge from it. We, we have to trust our scouts on, on some things, and sometimes there's there's other considerations. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. But, um, well, sometimes I imagine, like, you can't just be a robot. Like, if there's a player you love and the, the chart's saying, mm, you should make that trade, don't I have you? something really juicy I want to say about it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save on, it. Come on, Josh. No, I'm going to save it. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, I mean, I guess that's the point of having the, the numbers in the formula, so you take emotion out of it, but I would have a hard time with that. It's, your scouts are w- watching these guys, and they're like, anyways. Um, you're going to have to tell me offline all these things that I'm wondering about the – about what you're referring okay. to. Um, all right, so last thing, last topic. I mean, you mentioned you're studying law in Denver, and you end up in Kurt Overhart's office. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's that's you know, that's breaking through the door. That's getting into the into the industry. What was that process like? How did you get to know Kurt? And- um, I got to. He regularly took interns from uh, my law school. He mm-hmm. went to DU also. And one of my sports law professor had worked for him and he kind of made the introduction and, um, he kind of, yeah, he, he brought me on trying to remember the details of this, how it went down, but it was, it was kind of like he brought me on for, till I finished law school and, uh, as an intern and I just did all kinds of stuff for him. I was like preparing stuff for for his clients like showing them our our negotiation positions Mm -hmm. and just doing all of his contract research and just other random stuff that goes on to running like what at the time was like a four-person company yeah and then when i finished law school i I stayed on with him for a year uh full-time and worked with him on some uh some contract negotiations uh for some of his he was like just breaking out at the time. It was like, I think Matt Carl, Kevin Bieksa, mm-hmm. guys like that. Kessler, My, I might have been around that. Well, time Kessler or... was. I can't remember if I worked on Kessler, one of Kessler's deals. I know I started with him as an intern, like two days after the offer sheet. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what the terms of that was. Yeah. Was it a one year deal? I don't. Gosh, I don't remember. Yeah, so I don't remember if I was if I was involved in another one. I and. Yeah, but that was when when Kessler was was breaking out. I know I yeah I worked on some of his other guys' deals and um, did actually, you do any arb cases or anything? I'm not like sure that? I should mention those names, but I don't what? know what the rules are. But anyhow, oh, I did work on 
you asked if I would yeah, work like it's I'm just curious about that life as a as a you know young lawyer. So we never had anybody go to ARB when I worked there, but I wrote several briefs. Yeah, um, just in preparation for it. Um, What's that process like? Writing a brief. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of homework. There's some tedium involved in right. it. It's 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 legal work. So I mean, <laughs> right. it, it it requires some. It definitely requires analytical thought and be able to use statistics because you make because you're making an, a case based on statistics. Right. So, I I. I never wrote a full brief for him because we never needed to. It was always like you'd write the first the briefs forty pages, and I'd write like the first like eighteen. Yeah, and then we'd have to wait and see if we ever filed and went. Then, at that point, you'd know more about who the comps are, and then you'd flush out the comps part. Right. And then I think, so I've never went through it on their side, but I think the PA is involved in it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm almost positive yeah. the PA is involved in it. The PA hires people every year to work on it. Um, on our side, I've actually written quite a few full briefs, mm-hmm. just because if we go, we've all we've we've gone to we've never gone to a hearing. The Columbus Blue Jackets have never gone to what? an arbitration hearing, never. And is there any other team that can say that? That I can't tell you that for sure. I know Winnipeg. There was a while. Winnipeg's Winnipeg, been for sure. They've been, but like I know they went Larry with Truba. Took some pride and, uh, in, in, I think Truba might have ended it. I, that, I remember that one. I don't know if they've been with anybody else. That's pretty amazing. We've never been, but my first, no, my second and third summers here, we went to Toronto with on two players yeah. and settled right before. So I had the brief done, and we had hired. Um, a lawyer out of Toronto who was going to argue the case because at the time, and, and I still believe this, Scott Housen was like, "You you don't want to walk into into the locker room next season after you stood there and ripped him in, a, in mm. the hearing." So I said, "Yeah, that's true." So I could, I, I remember one year somebody leaked one to me, and I couldn't believe. I'm like, "You're saying this about your your guy?" I couldn't yeah, believe and some so, of this and stuff. some some of them some of them are are fairly tame. Yeah, but, this one was. I think the reason it was leaked to me, but it's it was still so negative. Bad. Like it's yeah. still got a negative slant because yeah. you're trying to argue him down, right? But so, no, we've we've never we've never gone to one. But I've I've been through the process right up until walking in the door, and and you know we've we settled one the night before while we were eating a hot dog on the street, <laughs> <laughs> and we settled the other one at the Starbucks in the lobby, like. As they were saying, okay, it's time to go in. Oh my gosh, I've heard those. Where the doors are opening. Yeah, and these and they'll they'll delay it for you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like like if if you're get if you you know they have somebody from the league there and you tell them we're getting close to a settlement. Yeah, and I, I don't want to say too much because it's it's not a confidentiality thing. I just yeah, it was ten years ago the last time right. I went through this. Right. Um. So the details are a little hazy, but I I just yeah. We got together. I think the last one was was Anton Strawman, and we we settled it at the uh, at the hotel where they have the hearings, and uh, yeah, we just settled it that morning. That was the closest we got to going. Strawman, I forgot Anton Strawman was. He's yeah, had a, what a career. Yeah, great career. Well, Josh, thanks for doing this. It was a lot of fun. I know well, you got to be exhausted. I'm exhausted just from watching all of them. So putting this on had to have been a great. Are you, is this an annual thing, or we're taking it one year at a time? We, we think it will be an annual thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean that was 
we didn't want to say that or anything because right. we wanted yeah, to see how it went. Annual. And yeah. we, we wanted to, you know, it was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I think we learned a lot doing it. And we've got one more day of this. So yeah. I don't want to say anything yet. That's for sure <laughs> going to be for next year. We're going to take some time and digest. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. You were there. I, I think it was successful today. It was great. So It was great. Um, yeah, the, that would be... The, if you do something well, I think you should try and build on it. So right. if, if we can... If we can, you know, build on what we've done this year and keep doing well, like we will. So awesome. Well, thanks for doing this, Josh. Yeah, thank you. I want to thank Josh for joining the podcast. That conference was a lot of fun. I would encourage you to, uh, and I'll try to link out something on Twitter. Um, I would encourage you to go to YouTube and search for the Columbus Blue Jackets Analytics Conference because um, they they streamed it all, and I think all of it is still on there. There was a ton of good presentations. Um, I moderated a couple panels that were a lot of fun, even the one that we were doing at 830 in the morning when we were still downing coffee to uh, get the energy. But it was it was great. It was a great conference. I liked I really liked how they um, they, they got a lot in there. They were they were quick hitters, somewhere like 10, 15 minutes um, at most. And you just you work through a lot of different topics, a lot of information. So definitely check that out. If they do it again next year, I would encourage anybody in the analytics space or who just wants to know about, uh, more about that world to check that out and go to Columbus. It'll it'll definitely be worth your time. Uh, before we wrap up, I would uh, encourage you, subscribers to The Athletic, um, every week we put a, a episode from the archives onto the app and we bring it back. And this week was Greg Wyshynski. This was such a fun conversation. I remember doing it. We recorded it in a hotel room at an all-star game, I want to say in San Jose. And Greg is a, an, an old friend and we did a lot of uh, walk down memory lane. So if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you can check that podcast out, that that archive episode of The Full 60. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, um, uh, listeners to The Full 60 get 40% off. If you just go to theathletic.com slash full 60, you get 40% off a subscription to The Athletic. Uh, tons of hockey stuff, uh, with all the, especially right now with all the trade deadline conversations going on and you get all of the different episodes to the full 60 the bonus episodes from the prospect series and recording another one of those on monday with Corey pronman and everything in the archives it's all there for subscribers so go to theathletic.com slash full 60 all right that's it thanks again to josh flynn for being this week's guest and thank you for listening have a great week